Amen. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love Christmas time. Christmas is probably one of my favorite times of the year, probably the favorite time of the year. And it's not so much because of the, the, the festive lights and, um, uh, or the festive songs that we have. But for me, if I'm going to be honest, like I think I, I love Christmas because of the, the reality of the gifts that are exchanged during this time. Right? Christmas is a time that revolves around gifts and gift exchanges. I've seen it on your Instagram. I've, we've posted on, on our Instagram, uh, uh, gift parties, secret Santas, white elephants. And so for me, Christmas is, is a festive and fun time because of all the gifts. It's a time where we can go out and, and buy gifts, and it's a time where we receive gifts, give gifts, and sometimes return gifts, right? Amen about myself. Like when you get like a nose trimmer and you're like, why do I need this? I like it long, you know what I mean? And, um, but sometimes we, we return gifts and that's okay, right? That's acceptable. And, and then we get to exchange it for something else that we actually would, would use. Uh, sometimes when we can't return gifts, what do we do? We recycle gifts. You ever done that? Right? Come on, confess your sins right now, right? Right? You're like, I, I can't return this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to save it for next year and give it to someone else that needs a nose trimmer, right? And so we, we, we recycle gifts. And for me, there's, just, there's something fun about that uh, during Christmas time, right? Gifts make it fun and gifts make it festive. And so I thought, man, there's no other time in the year like Christmas. Christmas is an awesome time. And this, this past week, as I was preparing this message and thinking about gifts and all these things, the question that I asked myself is, man, what's the greatest gift that I've ever given to anybody? Right? I want you to think about for yourself. Like, what's the greatest gift you've ever given somebody? Or the greatest gift that you've ever received from somebody? Right? Just, just from human to human, person to person. And, and where would that rank in human history? I'm going to just be honest with you, and the, the church staff here knows this, but I'm not the best gift giver right? Uh, this is only my second Christmas and second year being on staff here, and my, our staff, they already know this. This past year, we had, just a couple weeks ago, we had a church staff, a secret Santa gift exchange, and, and there was, it was a fun time, really festive time, but I really felt bad afterwards for my secret Santa. I gave him uh, laundry detergent, fabric softener, and two bags of chips, right? And I'm like, I, I look back, I'm like, that's horrible, man. That's horrible, but the, the worst part about it is I actually put thought into it. I actually thought about what would this guy love. And I don't know why, but the, the, the bag of chips and laundry detergent and fabric softener just came to mind, right? And so I'm not the best gift. I'm probably the worst in, in church staff, right? If not the worst, like tied for the worst with like David Otua, right? But, but we're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like definitely down there. Um, but I want you to think about what's the... What's the uh, best gift you've ever given or the best gift you've ever received? See, Christmas is a time to remember our greatest gift. Christmas is a time, this time, it, it should be every day, but this is a time where we gather around and we remember the greatest gift, the greatest gift that's already been given to us, the gift that we desperately needed, but we know that we could not afford the greatest gift. I think this passage in John three sixteen is is so um, 
is so important for us to look at, and it describes this great gift, probably, you know, no, probably out of all, uh, a different scripture text and passages. I think John 3.16 really encompasses what this great gift was about. But it's one of those verses. John 3.16 is just one of those passages that we, maybe because we've heard it too much or, you know, in the church and out of the church, it's become so common and so uh, familiar that we just hear it and we have this tendency uh, just to move on, right? We hear it quoted from the pulpit. We, we hear it quoted from, you know, people in the church. We hear it even from people in businesses and even or nonprofit organizations outside of the church, right? I'm from California and if you guys ever been to the famous In-N-Out Burger, I think we have a slide. If you guys ever ate an In-N-Out Burger and you've gotten a soda, a soda cup, on the bottom of every In-N-Out Burger soda cup is this first John 3.16. Did you guys know that? Right? Like as you're eating, you're being ministered to, right? John 3.16, as you're eating your, your double-double animal style, like they want you to know that God loves you, right? For God so loved the world, right? And so, so this, I mean, it's, it's on every kind. Just think about how many people are at in and out every day or every year and they're getting this verse and we just like throw these cups away and we, just, and we just throw this verse away because it's just so like, it's just too common, too familiar. It's like, give me something new. Give me something I haven't heard of yet. But this passage is everywhere because it's the one verse that I think encompasses the simple yet profound gospel message, the good news of God in Christ. And it's still to this day changing people's lives. John 3.16, the passage is in the context of a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man, a religious leader, and he came to Jesus and he asked Jesus basically the question, what is it like to have a relationship with God? How does one know God? What is that like? What's that process like? And Jesus replies with John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So church, I have a gift for you this Sunday. My gift is to give you three words leading up to the, the, the next three days leading up to Christmas. I want to give you three words today as my gift to you. This is, the, this is my preparation for this, from this past week. And uh, these three words all start with the same letter, the letter F. They're F words, right? But the, all, all, all begin with the letter F. But the, this is my gift to you in the next three days, three words for you to ponder, to reflect, and, and for you to see what John 3.16 is trying to tell us today. And those three words are the, these. From... Full and four. From, full, and four. And what I mean by that it is that John 3.16, what, what we need to know from John 3.16 and 17 today is that you and I, you and I have been given a gift, and this gift is from God, full of love, and for the world. You can say Amen. What we need to know from John 3, 16 and 17 today leading up to Christmas in the next three days is that you and I, we have been given a gift. And this gift is one, from God, two, full of love, and three, for the world. And I'll say that again because I want this to stick with you. The good news of Christmas is that you and I have been given a gift. This gift is from God, full of love, and for the world. All right? And so first, we have this gift, and this gift is from God. John three sixteen. the first two words are for God, for God. 
that that is the one that's giving the gift. That is the one that's giving this generous gift, that we have a gift, and this gift is from God. And I think it's worth pausing there before we move on to the rest, because we have to think about who it is that's actually giving us a gift. And I think if we just sat there and just took some time to think about, man, I have a gift from God. I think that in itself will preach to us. That that we have a gift from God, how is that possible? 2,000 years ago, what that's that's saying is that, that before I even gave God a thought, God gave me his son. We have a gift, and this gift is from God. And I just want to just take a moment to pause there and, 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 and help us to ponder that because the reality of that should move us, that there is a gift, and this gift is from God. That is the beginning of the good news. That is the beginning of where the gospel actually starts. The gospel doesn't start with us. The gospel begins and ends with God's activity for us and on our behalf, right? That we have this gift, and this gift is from God. See, what it tells us is that God is a giver of gifts, that God doesn't withhold, that God is not stingy, but God is generous, and God is, sacrif- God is sacrificial. God is a giver of gifts, and if we have a gift from God, then this is what it means. It means that before we ever knew him, he knew us. You can't give a gift to someone you don't really know. But you give a gift and you put your name and you say, from your name, because it's someone that you know. So before we ever knew God, it means that God knew us. Before we were able to give God any kind of human gift or earthly gift, God gave us everything. We have a gift from God. Does that, does that bear any weight? The reality that you have a gift and, you know, th- this, this Christmas and every Christmas, we're going to get gifts from different places and people. From your work, from your church, from your small group, from random, I don't know, neighbors, from your family. And doesn't the, the, the weight of that gift change depending on who's giving it? And sometimes it blows your mind. Why would you consider me? Why would you think of me? Why would you even take time to purchase and sacrifice and be generous towards me? Why me from you? The beginning of the gospel is that we have a gift, and this gift is from God. And would you not agree that one of the biggest factors in receiving a gift is, is knowing who it's from? Like, it changes everything. It's a game changer, right? Knowing who it's from. See, when someone gets a gift, one of the first questions, and it might be like, where is it from? Like, is it Nordstrom, right? But, but one of the other questions that we want to know is, who is it from? Right? Like if you were to get a gift and, or you get a package and you, you want to know, like, who's it from? Where's it from? Because who it's from changes the game, right? See, knowing who it's from not only makes the gift personal, but it changes the potential. See, knowing who the gift is from not only makes it personal to you, but it changes the potential of what that gift is. A couple days ago, my son Benjamin, who's four years old, came to me and said, Dad, I have a gift for you. And I said, oh, what is it? And he brought a piece of paper with four stick figures. And it was basically our family. It was, it was my wife, it was me, it was my, my son Benjamin, and um, we're adopting a second son, a young, younger brother for Benjamin. So he, he drew little Joshua. Oh, you don't have to put that now. Um, but he, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he drew four of us, and, and we all look, I mean, we all have square heads, and we look like SpongeBob. 
And, and then, and you know, I'm, I'm, and I was basically the one with the biggest square. I was the biggest head, right? And so I was like, oh, thanks, but, but you know, no thanks, you know. But, <laughs> but like for me, from a four-year-old, like I, I mean, it, it's cute, but it's not costly. You know what I mean? Because I, I can't expect that much from a four-year-old because who is giving the gift changes the potential of the gift. But you, have, you and I have a gift from God that changes the potential. And when God has given us a gift, then we go, man, if God has given us a gift and there's full potential, we ought to pay attention to what that gift was. And when we see what that gift was, we say, man, God is not stingy. God is sacrificial. We have a gift, and this gift is from God. It matters who you get the gift from, right? I served at a church before coming here to Chicago at a church for the last 15 years of my life. And I served a wonderful senior pastor. He's now retired and um, he, he's, he's probably pushing 70 years old now. And he planted a church with uh, three families and the church grew to uh, over 1,500 people. And he probably led in his lifetime in the last 30, 40 years, I think he's led literally thousands of people to Christ. And I got the privilege, he's not a perfect man, but I got the privilege to serve under a holy and godly man. And I remember that uh, every year we would have these uh, staff gift exchanges. About 15 to 20 staff members would gather around. And I remember the first year that I was on staff, I was a, I was a poor and broke youth pastor. And they said, it's a $15 gift exchange. And, and I was like all for it, you know, because my bank account said that's, that's, that's the limit, right, 15 bucks. So I was like all for it. So we all brought gifts and we all packaged it. Everybody brought gift bags and there's gift wrappers and all these things and people are trying to figure out like what it is. People are shaking stuff, right, breaking all the rules. They're like smelling it. You ever done that? And they're trying to figure out what it is. And, and, then, and then, you know, we all put it in this pile, right, because you ever play white elephant? You, you put it in the pile and then you draw numbers and then you take whatever number you have and, you know, you wait your turn to, to pick a gift and um, in comes our senior pastor, like, like the red carpet just been rolled out and he comes in all late but he comes in with this nice suit and just but he's a humble godly man and there's no gift bag so we're like oh man this guy didn't prepare right and then he pulls out from his jacket an envelope and then he puts it in the pile and we're like what what could be in that envelope and he's a humble, godly man. And so for whatever reason, we didn't think much of that envelope. We just thought it was some kind of deep spiritual thing to it, right? We, we thought it was like some deep prayer that he wrote for us. And it's, it's, it's more than 15, it's a prayer worth more than $15. And he wanted to just pray for us. Or, or we thought maybe he, because he, he was, he uh, in seminary, he got all A's in Hebrew and Greek. And we thought maybe it's like scripture he's been writing this whole year in Hebrew and Greek. And he, he wanted to just give that to the staff. So, or it's like a $15 gift card to a Christian bookstore and nobody wants that, right? We pastors, we, we get that all the time. And, and so, so everyone stayed away from, from his gift. And we're going for the biggest gift. We're going for the flashiest box. And I remember that the, the person that took the risk and got the envelope, he opened it up and it was $50. $50. And we're like, whoa, exactly. Like, whoa. It wasn't a prayer, right? It was It was cash. And then we're like, dang, we, we should have got, like, we, I should have got that. And then so the next year, I remember one of our staff members, he wanted to, like, he wanted to match what our senior pastor gives. He's like, ah, we can't let our senior pastor outgive us. And so he, he, uh, he made it a thing where he wanted to um, this time bring a gift. And, and it turned out to be a $50 gift card that this guy, for a $15 gift exchange, he brought a $50 gift card thinking he's going to match 
or at least, or maybe even outgive our senior pastor that year. Well, someone got that $50 gift card. They were like, oh, this is awesome. Now we have two of them because we're all thinking Pastor Kim is going to give another $50 thing, right? And so he pulls out the envelope, and the person that got the envelope turns out it was a $100 bill. For whatever reason, that year, our senior pastor felt led to give double. And so the guy that wanted to give out, you know, or maybe even outgive our senior pastor ended up still giving less because that year our senior pastor gave a $100 bill. So after that, we just all gave up. We just went back to $15. And, uh, but our senior pastor kept every year. Like, I'm not even joking. So it became a thing that every year, we just like, no one cared about any other gift. We just want that envelope. Right? And it would have been awesome if one year it was a prayer. That would have been really funny. But every year, without fail, he would give a $100 bill. And you know what we realize is that, like, we're never going to outgive him. What he give, gives us will always be less than what we give him. And we wanted what he had. See, it matters who's giving the gift. It matters who's giving the gift because it changes the potential. And that's what Christmas is about, to help us to see and to remember that no matter what you think you're giving God and no matter how much you think you're giving God, God has always given us more. We can never outgive God. We can't, I mean, we're not even on the same page. See, God's gift is so great and so magnificent. It's not worth trying to compete with him. God gave us his gift so that we can just receive him and know him. We have a gift, and this gift is from God. I think we should keep that in, in front of us and not behind us this Christmas that we have a gift. Wake up tomorrow and, and ponder that word from. Just wake up and say, man, I have a gift and this gift is from God. And watch how it changes your morning. Watch how it might change your day to wake up and to live that day knowing that you've been gifted before you gave anything to God that God has already given you everything. See, there might be some of you here today that have either forgotten or maybe some visitor or guest here that you've never known this reality. Did you know that you have a gift from God? It's not because you came to service today. 2,000 years ago, before you ever thought of him, God gave you his son. You have a gift, and this gift is from God. It was his one and his only son, Jesus Christ. It was his best. It was his beloved son in whom he was well pleased. And so this gift was extremely costly, but it's a gift from God. Number two, this gift is not only from God, but it's full of love. John three sixteen says, for God so loved. For God so loved. See, we use the term the love of God so much, I think, and we hear that so much that I, I think we just get used to the language but when we really understand the love of God in the Bible, as John 3.16 is telling us uh, about, for God so loved this love, my friends, it is incomprehensible. Apostle Paul, later in Corinthians, he says that this is an ex- inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. You see, because in the English language, it's hard to translate love to understand God's love. In the English language, we just have one word for love, and it's just love. So we say, like, I love my wife, and I love chicken. You know what I mean? It's like there's different degrees there. 
But we, in the English language, we just have one word for love. But John, in this gospel, is writing from a city called Ephesus, which is steeped with, uh, 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 engulfed in Greek culture. And, and he's writing this, this letter, this gospel in Greek. And the word he uses is the word agape. Agape. See, the Greeks actually had different words for different kinds of love. There were actually three that I want to mention today. The first kind of love that the Greeks understood was this word called eros. It's a Greek word, eros, where we get erotic. It's describing a romantic love, a physical attraction kind of love. It talks about the chemistry where we, and so it's where we get erotic. It's a, it's a chemistry, it's a physical attraction that brings people together. The second Greek word is the word phileo. You might have heard this before, but phileo is, is talking about this brotherly love. It's a love based on friendship based on companionship. You might call your, like when you think about your BFF, right? This is phileo love. There's a bond, an intense bond that's based on the friendship that you have, right, with someone else. But the word that John uses in John 3.16 is the word agape. This is the third kind of love. And this third kind of love is the highest form of love, is what we would call unconditional love because this kind of love does not have conditions, it doesn't, it doesn't change depending on who's receiving the love. And so with phileo, there's, there's kind of this like condition where, man, there's a friendship and companionship because you're actually getting something out of it for yourself. But with agape, this has no condition, meaning, meaning it's, it, it's despite what you can offer the one giving you that love. It's based on unconditional love. Uh, despite what the person has ever done or ever will do for you, this kind of love is not passive. You know, we talk about love in our day like, you know, you ever say, we, 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 I fell in love. I fell in love. Well, agape is not something you fall into because it's not passive. Agape is active. It's, it's a determined love. It, it's, it's a disposition of love. It gives and it sacrifices in inexpressible ways. That's the word that John uses here, that God, for God so agape, so unconditionally loved, despite what you could ever give him, despite whether you embrace him or reject him, God has decided his disposition is that he's already determined to love on you despite whether you ever love him. This love is strong. It was so strong that God the Father gave and he sent his one and only son into the world to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, 2,000 years ago, God the Father sent his son and he was born to die. Born in a manger was the Messiah and crucified on the cross was the Christ. Jesus was never surprised though because he knew why he was sent. It was his mission on earth. He came full of love to reconcile man to God so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news. Eugene Peterson in his translation of the Message Bible, he translates John 3.16 as, this is how much God loves the world. This is how much that God would send his only son. Friends, despite our behavior, despite our rejection or acceptance, God sent 
his son. It doesn't say for, for the world was so faithful, God sent his son. It doesn't say for God was under obligation, he sent his son. It doesn't say for every person will believe God sent his son. It says for God so loved the world, he sent his son. It was love. You have a gift from God, full of love. This unconditional love of God. There is nothing you can do, friends, to make God stop loving you. Think of, you could even think about the most awful thing you can do to God, you could ever imagine to God, and yet that will not stop the love of God. Because this is what agape is. It's unconditional love. It's based on who he is. He's a generous God who gives his son for us. You know, as I mentioned, my son Benjamin, we um, also adopted Benjamin in 2016. And um, yesterday, my, uh, I took my son to a playground and, you know, there were tons of kids and he played for about five minutes and they came running back to me. And like, they were, like when all the kids were busy playing, you know, even playing through hunger, my son came after five minutes and said, Dad, I'm hungry, I want to eat. And I'm like, man, are you sure you're not my biological child? <laughs> like, that's what I would do, you know what I mean? And but he's like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh, I didn't bring any snacks. You know, I wasn't prepared. So, man, we can just go home. And he's like, dad, dad, don't worry. They have snacks here. You know, but they're like three bucks for like a bat, you know, like small bag. But he's like, dad, I'm hungry. And I go, well, what do you want? And he goes, he, he knew what he wanted. He went immediately to the sour cream Pringle, Pringles and the green Pring, Pringles. And, and he, he got that box and I said, all right, let's, you know, I'll, I'll get that for you. And so he, he got the Pringles because he was hungry. And then he said something really cute. He said, dad, I want to sit on your lap. Because he doesn't say that every day, all right. He said, I want to sit on your lap. And I was so happy. And I let him sit on my lap, you know. And he didn't offer me any Pringles, so we're... we're <laughs> We're still working that out. I don't know. Like, he just, he literally just sat on my lap. And he's just eating, just eating. And, I, and my job was to clean his crumbs after. But he just sat on my lap. And I was so pleased because I remember when we first met him, this was not the posture that he had. Right? This is not the posture that we had. See, in 2016, when my wife and I adopted our son, Benjamin, we decided. See, it, wa- it wasn't based on his personality or his cuteness or his lack thereof. It wasn't, it wasn't like, man, this kid's going to be successful. I can just see it. It, it. When we adopted our son, Benjamin, in 2016, it was a decision for my wife and I to love him first. Before he could do anything for mom and dad, we decided We're going to love him first. Whether he accepts us or rejects us his whole life, we will, our disposition will always be to love him. And so since the time we were matched, we would send gifts to Korea and get gifts to Benjamin and we would send stuff for him and and we would pray for him every single day. So when we got to Korea, our hope was that when we see Benjamin for the first time face to face because he's received so many gifts and we've prayed for him, we, we were hoping that, man, he would just come to us, running to us saying, Daddy, thank you. Mommy, thank you. But that was not the case. And so I want to show you a picture of what actually happened, this is what we came to. Here's a picture of, um, this, uh, this is the first day we met. And they forced us to take a family photo on the first day we met. See, we, we already loved him by that point. Like, you can tell that we are smiling from ear to ear. We were so excited, but Benjamin wasn't. 
He was scared, man. He was, he was fearful. We were strangers to him. He, he rejected us, right? What we did is we actually stepped into rejection. We came into torture. We came into pain. It wasn't pleasing to me for that, to see that. It was, man, it was, it was hard. It was difficult. It was suffering. But for the joy set before Steph and I, we endured the cross, right? So that's what Paul says about Christ, He says that Jesus came into rejection, came into suffering, came into pain. That when he came into the world 2,000 years ago, it wasn't the whole world with open arms saying, thank you. They crucified him. It was pain, it was suffering, it was torturous. But Paul says this about Jesus, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's how strong God's love is for us. But you know what we found ourselves doing in Korea, no matter how much Benjamin, he was literally fighting us, guys. He was literally like trying to get away from us as much as he can. And no matter how much he rejected us, you know what our posture was? We found ourselves with arms wide open. I'm not saying that metaphorically. I'm saying that literally my arms are open. I said, Benjamin, Benjamin, come to daddy, come to daddy. Benjamin, Benjamin. My arms, I mean, I was getting tired. My arms were wide open for like two weeks while we were in Korea. Benjamin, come to daddy. Benjamin, come here. Benjamin, come here. And you know what's crazy about it is no matter how much you rejected us, I could not stop keeping my arms wide open. Because I realized this is the posture of, of, of what happens when you love someone. It's arms wide open. It'd be weird for an adult to try to woo a kid and be like, come, come, come. Like, you just don't do that. And when you open your arms wide, you don't think about it. Like, I wasn't there saying, okay, what, what I, okay open your arms, James, open your arms. It was a natural reaction for me to open my arms wide for the one I love in the hopes that the one I love would actually come and know me. Benjamin, come. Benjamin, come. Benjamin, come. And when we first met Benjamin, this is the image he saw of me, my arms wide open. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago. And you know what the last image on earth of him was? It was Jesus on the cross. His arms were not closed. His arms were wide open. What a beautiful picture and image of what we ought to remember about his son who came from heaven to earth. He came with full of love, incredible love, generous love, sacrificial love, unconditional love, agape love. And he wasn't like saying, come, come, come to me. He was saying, come to me, come to me. And no matter how much we rejected him, his arms were kept wide open. He's saying, come to me. See, Jesus came from heaven to earth and he took on flesh. You know why? So you can see his arms. So that you can see how wide his arms are open. He took on flesh so you can see his arms and receive his love. And that's the same message we have today from John 3.16. That no matter how far you feel from God, how distant you feel from God, there is an unconditional love that was from God and full of love, and his arms are wide open.
Brendan Manning in this book called Ragamuffin Gospel. I encourage you to read it. He says, my deepest awareness, there should be a slide, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. That's good. He says, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and that I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. And then he poses this question. Now I want you to keep that slide up. He poses this question upon us and he would ask us, do you believe that the God, that God loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity, that he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain, that he loves you when your intellect denies it, when your emotions refuse it, your whole being rejects it? Do you believe that God loves without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not as you should be? Do you know? that you are deeply loved. D.A. Carson, in his commentary in the Gospel of John, probably one of the best commentaries around in the Gospel of John, he says this, that God's love for the world is admirable, not because the world is so big, but because the world is so bad. But he came and died for it. There's a gift from God that's full of love. Friends, God didn't come and he didn't die for us and he didn't come to us when we became saints. He loved us while we were still sinners. And I just want to, I just pray that this quote would be your, your deepest awareness, that your deepest awareness in this life is that you are deeply loved by God in Christ. This gift full of love did not come in the form of a packaged present this, this gift came in the form of a person. That means you receive him, believe him, trust him. It means that you're, that you're meant to be loved by him. And I want you to know this, friends, before I move on to the last thing, that God loved us first. That's another F, right? First. God loved us first. Not, not, not we loved him and then he sent his son. But God sent his son despite our love for him. God loved us first. Can I tell you, church, right now, what your number one job is, is on this earth? Your number one job on this earth is this, to be loved by God. That's it. Your number one job on this earth is not even to love your neighbor or love your work and love your calling or even love God more. That's not the issue. Your number one job that which every other love starts to fall into place is this. Are you letting God love you? Because you have a gift from God and it's full of love. Amen. God loved us first. The last point is this, for the world. That you and I, we have a gift and this gift is from God. It's full of love, but it's for the world. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why do you think John, why do you think John wrote this gospel and wrote that verse? John 3 said, why do you think John wrote that? Can I tell you a little secret? John didn't write John three sixteen for John. John didn't write this as kind of a memory note for himself. Does that make sense? 
John wrote this in the city of Ephesus so that Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus would know this love, would know that God sent his son. It wasn't for him. It was for the world. It was for Ephesus. It was for the Jews. It was for the Gentile, and it was for the world. That is why he wrote it. That is why the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this, because this is the message for us today. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. To know that this gift from God is full of love and is for the world. That God went to great length to show us his love by sending his only son. Friends, this love is bigger than you. This, this love is not for you to have and say, man, I have Jesus now, and so I'm just going to Instagram hashtag blessed, you know? This love is so much bigger than being blessed. This love is so much bigger than you. This love is for the world. It's for the world. Just look around. It's for everyone here. It's for Chicago. It's for every nation. This love is for the world. That's why we invite people to church. Maybe that's why you're here today because there's someone here that loves you enough. They're not perfect. They're not a perfect Christian, but they love you enough to, to share with you a love that came from heaven to earth. This is why we go on missions. This is why we go on overseas missions. I mean, you ever think about that? Why would people give up, especially from from the States, why would people give up the comfort of living here in the States to go to a foreign land where they don't speak the language, they don't have family, they don't have networks, they don't have friends, they just, they don't really know much. All they know is that they have a love for the world because God put it in their hearts. Why would people Go overseas to share the gospel. It's because this gospel is not just for them, but it's for the world. Don't you think, friends, that if you have received this gift, if you have received Jesus, that perhaps he wants to actually use you and he's actually calling you and he wants to actually send you to share this love with the world, right? Do we dare think that, man, This gift is just for me, so I'm going to just keep it to myself. I'm just going to know the gospel. I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm just going to go to church. See, the reality is that when we have received this gift full of love, it compels us to go share with the world because it's a gift that we cannot afford. But That's been given to us. See, God's love is for the world. That's why we read John 3, 16 in different languages It's to symbolize God's love for the world. That God did not come just for one people. He came for all people. He came to every tribe, to every nation, to every country. He came for people in all and every social economic class, for every tongue. And so that's why part of our service even today, we're going to give all of our offering and it's going to just go to support missionaries around the world so that we can be part of God's plan to share and to spread his love that he's given to us for the world, that God's love is for the world. We have a global gospel because we have a global God. See, God loves the world and the question is, do we? Do we? 
My prayer is that God would move our hearts to see what God sees, to feel what God feels, to see that, man, we've been given a gift from God. It's full of love, but it's not just for me. It's for the world. Amen. This Christmas, be reminded that God sent his son, and now he's sending you. He's sending you to be his representative on earth, to be a living witness of the gospel that's been given to us, this gospel that came from heaven to earth, from Jerusalem to Judea, from Judea to Samaria, and over 2,000 years, friends, I want you to think about the magnitude of this, the same gospel that Jesus preached on earth 2,000 years ago is the same gospel that's reaching the nations today, is the same gospel that has come to Chicago, and in our church, just our church alone, one of many, many churches around the world, our church this past year got to baptize 15 people. Why? Because not a different gospel, but the same gospel, John 3:16, came to Chicago, came to you, came to the 15, and it's changing people's lives this gospel is not just for our church. It's for the world. It's for the world. So then it changes how we go to work tomorrow if you're working. It changes how we go about in our neighborhood. We don't go around saying, Jesus and me, Jesus and me. We go around saying, God's love is for the world. For the world. As I close, I want you to remember that Christmas is a reminder to remember our most precious gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have three days till Christmas. And so I want to leave you with those three words again. That you have a gift from God, full of love and it's for the world. Would you bow with me?